Many families don't see the importance of attending Mass every Sunday. How do we pull them in? Make them feel welcome and keep them coming back. I'm your host, Edward Herrera, and we're talking about creative ways to get more minivans to Mass. I am here with uh, Lisa Sliker from Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Ellicott City. And Lisa is the parish administrator there, Mm -hmm. but she has done uh, some really great things at the parish. They're doing some great things at the parish. Uh, She's got a history of working in... um, uh, an audit, and so she's got a CPA background uh, and really brings a wealth of knowledge to the parish. If you could maybe say a little bit about that first, and then we can kind of get a little sure. bit more into yeah. our conversation today. Great. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me here. And yes, my background is not where I was expecting to be today, but it's been a fabulous journey, and I do see how the Lord has gifted me in all of those places in preparation for work for his church. So I graduated with a degree in accounting and worked in public accounting. Um, from there, um, moved down to Maryland, and because of my association with the school, started volunteering for the parish and then stepped into this position as the parish administrator. So it's oh. been a great ride. Now, but you uh, you gave me a little more colorful introduction <laughs> yes. when when we were talking before. Yes. Do you mind sharing that? or <laughs> No, not at all. So um, um, I will tend to say that I went from working for the devil to working for God, and this the side is much much better. <laughs> um, so uh, w- the reason I wanted to talk to you today is I, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, when we think uh, a lot of times uh, from a ministry perspective, right. we don't um, think numbers, and mm-hmm. we don't think really. Uh, you know, there in ministry circles, the phrase is always uh, "don't count them, just feed them," and that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, God says, "Go and make disciples," right? True. So, I mean, we yeah. have we have work to do and, and important work to do. Right. Um, and so, I feel like your knowledge on that is very helpful as we're thinking about kind of how can parishes be more family friendly and sure. what uh, in what ways are we really supporting families, particularly the work that you've done with pathways of discipleship and then looking also at life stages. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what you all have done with that at Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Absolutely. Well, first of all, numbers are so important that God dedicated a whole book of the Bible to numbers. So <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have an amazing Paris team at Our Lady Perpetual Help, and we've been working on this for about five years. And with that, we, we acknowledge that um, life is a cycle. And um, typically we can get very caught up with, okay, we need to feed the elementary, feed the youth, feed the middle, and hope they stick out through college and come back, and then we'll also be feeding the adult um, community. But what we've realized is that it's a full cycle, and as we are um, uh nurturing those that are at an adult stage, we need to also accompany them for those that are um, small in their house and those that are struggling with the teen and they're um, slipping away from the faith. So so it is a full life stage. And with that, um, it's important to be able to clearly um, put out for parents to understand what offerings are available for their teenager, for their elementary student, or even if they choose to come to Mass and they want their children to be in a program like Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, that these offerings are available to them so that they can each be um, 
formed at their life stage, but then come back in unity together at the family dinner table or um, uh, on vacation in the car when traveling and have good conversations. Yeah, nice. Well, and so uh, could you share, like, when you all were trying to think through it uh, mm-hmm. and these life stages, how, what sort of process did you all go through to, to really think through what that needed to look like for OLPH? Correct. Well, we spent quite a bit of time learning first, reading, learning, growing together as a staff, coming together out of our silos into a really strong working team. And with that, alongside um, experiencing other parishes, learning from them, being in cohorts with other parishes, we um, first focused on the discipleship pathway. What would that pathway look like? And it begins with that community of belonging, belonging to the Lord and belonging with each other in membership at our parish. And then from there, the opportunity to encounter Christ, become his disciple, and then go out into the world and serve as his disciple. So knowing that was the pathway, and that pathway would not deviate whether you are seven years of age or 70 years of age, then became thinking about, okay, well, what are the life stages? So now you take what is. Um, so uh, let me stop sure, you there sure. for just a second. Mm-hmm. You so um, and that's pretty prominent, as I recall, now on your website when you Absolutely. talk about the. So t- uh, can you just because there's four of them, right? In the way that you all uh, describe them. Sure. T- uh, what are those four? Just so. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So again, to be very simple, yeah, yeah. we call it four <laughs> because there's four of them because numbers are really cool. And um, so on our website, that's very <laughs> Augustinian, by the way, right? I mean, it's like if you go through Augustine every. Everything is about the numbers, like. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but sorry, go ahead. I feel validated. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the four stages or the four elements of the pathway are belong. We belong to God. He created us uniquely. And in that giftedness of each belonging to God, we belong to each other. So the great commandment of love the Lord and love each other is part of that belong. So inviting people to belong to our parish family, to be members, to be in community, in their hearts, their longing to belong to something, why not be um, in membership in a strong Catholic community to support each other in our sorrows, our sufferings, our joys, our celebrations. Um, From that place of belonging, then we have the opportunity to encounter Christ. And um, in that encounter of him, a conversion of heart that we are committed to being his disciples. So that second element is believe. So from belong to believe. Then after we've had that encounter, then the catechesis comes into play and becoming his disciple. So in those places of scripture study, um, religious education, faith formation, becoming like Christ, now we are equipped to go into the world, to go beyond and be Christ to others. So in our ministry, which is offering emotional, physical, and spiritual need to another in the name of Christ, we can be like Christ because we've become like him. And it is out of that love of encountering him that we are the world to him, to our neighbors, to our um, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So again, it would be belong, believe, become, and then to go beyond. 
Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so uh, I interrupted you as sure. you were speaking. Yeah. Uh, from those, then you kind of said that you proceeded to then think more seriously about the life, life cycle. Stages, or life correct. stages. Yeah. yeah. So within our family unit, we will have um, newborn babies. Um, or we might have aging adults, um, our, our parents, our grandparents. So each life stage uniquely learns differently from the other or has experienced something in life which also brings them into a place of spiritual um, uh, needs or support or prayer. So as we look at the life stage of an elementary student, versus young um, youth, versus high schooler and adult, we want to offer opportunities for each one of those um, discipleship pathway elements. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, as a family unit, make sure that there's offerings and physical space and environment that supports the family structure. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, then I guess the, the next step, um, and I know this is something that we've talked about that you guys are kind of in process with in some ways. Um, but how do we, like, how could one apply this to kind of a family, right? Sure. Um, like, and maybe, I mean, think through it with me a little bit, but like, how, how could then we, we say, okay, well, how do, what's the kind of life stage of the family and how do we, um, how, how do we kind of fit that into what we're trying to do? Correct, yeah. So clearly we would start um, by the human birth and baptism. So um, our associate pastor, Father Rob, he uh, gives a lot of his time to baptismal preparation, and he has now moved into also supporting young families. Um, once a month, he'll, or once every six weeks, he'll do a really cool event, which is getting a lot of traction, called Storytime with Father Rob. And it's it's neat, because some of these families, he's just baptized a, a member to their family, and now he has this Storytime with Father Rob, and the kids adore it. They, they spend time with him. But then there's a community of parents getting to know each other. Yeah. And and sharing whatever struggle is going on, whether it is in faith formation with that toddler or now potentially a teenager or a newborn. So as um, Father Rob is ministering to the little ones, the older children might be playing or the parents are connecting and getting to know each other. So um, as we move from that toddler age and then our um, preschool coordinator, who runs Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, she will also step in to get to know the families as well as provide that offering to them yeah. that we have a unique program for your children in faith formation for the nursery school kids called Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So it kind of moves through that age group yeah. and then we look at elementary and, and so on. Okay, okay. Yeah. And I, I guess um, another thing is like... It, I, I think sometimes we um, you, you've got kind of this great vision that you've cast mm -hmm. of kind of the um, the life stages and then the pathways. And uh, as you all were then kind of thinking about it in theory mm -hmm. and then moving into a practical application of it, where did you start? Right. Sure. Where where did you say, OK, here are the couple of things that we need to do to begin to implement this at the parish? And right. I know part of it was already probably happening, but sure. then um, and to the need to kind of categorize it in some ways. But w where did you all start once you kind of figure out here's the pathways? 
here's the life stages that we want to kind of think about Focus it in on. those terms. Sure. Yeah. So um, it really required us to be intentional. And we started with our calendar. And we looked at everything we were offering because the discipleship pathway is not something we just came up with at OLPH. Christ gave it to us. Yeah. We then um, tried to make it um, uh, presentable and understandable to the community. And, um, and in offering that clarity of something they could connect with um, by saying belong, believe, become, and beyond as human beings, yeah. um, it, it just seemed a little bit more rememberable and relatable. Um, but then stepping off of that, we said, okay, what are we doing for parishioners? What are we offering for parishioners? And what are we offering for parishioners to invite neighbor into relationship with the Lord? And all the events that were being offered at our campus, it needed to support some aspect of the, the pathway. So as a parish staff, we began to look at everything that would require space on campus, require our resources or our time. And if we were looking to be best stewards of what was entrusted to us, we need to remain true to what Christ needs for his church. So all of these events need to support one of the four elements and it needs to support our various life stages. So now it becomes yeah. like a, um, a three-dimensional approach, yeah. the, the life stages and the discipleship pathway and making sure that it was balanced across all life stages, as well as all four um, discipleship pathways, but then wrapping it around the calendar year. Yeah. So it was not that if I moved into Ellicott City in October, all of the belong events were in um, June and July, and I missed out. Yeah. We'd want to make sure that the year is balanced across all life stages and across all discipleship pathway so that anyone stepping in or on-ramping could experience um, uh, an, a, an event that offered an opportunity to encounter God's love. Yeah. Um, and so on. No, I like that because, yeah. I, I mean, the the thing that I, uh, we is like always the joke, right? It's yeah. like they, uh, someone comes for RCIA and it's like the day after right. Easter and you're like, oh, <laughs> come back September. in August. We'll see you then. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, so that this idea of there's constantly, yeah, yeah, and there's constantly an opportunity for, uh, for that on-ramp, so right. to speak, so that you know, because um, I always think about that, you know, if you want to invite, uh, so, you know, your neighbor or someone to church, like that there's sure. always a time that um, you can do that. Right. That's, that's kind of a belong event, exactly. you know, where it's not kind of a, um, here's the deep water. Right. You know? And our youth ministry team did an awesome job this year in planning it out that way, such that like every Wednesday night is a um, a different offering of, of the discipleship pathway. So on their page within our website, you'll know Monday night is always going to be a belong event. And then you can drill down into the calendar and see, well, what is it? Is it Frisbee Friday? Is it a bonfire? What, what are the events that are being offered? And then as a parent supporting your youth, you know that first week, don't wear your best clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know where they should be uh, um, stepping into the evening. And so... Uh, auditor by trade. Yeah. Right. So um, I, I've got a buddy who's an auditor, mm -hmm. and he said sometimes you have to go into an organization and tell them something that they don't want to hear, um, even though they paid for not wanting to hear the news that you're going to give them. Right. Right. Um, there are some things that need to kind of get taken away. Correct. It sounds like what you're saying. Correct. Um, and uh, how do you? 
how do you kind of think through that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's cl- clearly, um, and being a systems person, you can kind of look at it objectively and say, eh, these things don't kind of fit in with that. How, how do you how do you approach that recognition that, oh, there are some things that don't fit in with the way in which we're best stewards sure. uh, to the resources that God's given us? Yeah, well, that actually is, is the anchor. Um, we are held accountable to the generosity of our parishioners. Yeah. They're supporting what we're what we offer. And if we are not offering in accordance with what God needs for his church, we are not being best stewards. So that that's part one. Part two does from the auditing side, the, the accountability and the measure after the event to make sure it was the right offering and it should repeated be repeated is another struggle. Like, um, it can be very easy to say, Oh, we offered this event and 200 people showed up. Well, if they showed up because they were just filling their calendar and never took the next step of invitation to another person to come to know Christ or their next step in relationship with him, then it was, you know, we become Julie the cruise director. But on the back end, once we had the structure established, it became very easy to say no. And people understood why we were saying no, because if an idea was brought forth and it was fulfilling an unmet need, yeah. absolutely, so long as it also supported our discipleship pathway. Yeah. So it, ga- it gave us the, the flexibility and the freedom to say no and for and through the clarity of our parishioners' understanding why it is the way it is, they yeah. too could appreciate why it was a no. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that makes sense. I think uh, there, uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be... Um, uh, yeah, I, I can totally appreciate what you're saying there. Um, cause it's, it's, I mean, it's hard to say, no, this is not something yeah. because I, I find, you know, I mean, it's tough. You look at a, uh, your average parish bulletin and there's a lot going on, Absolutely. Right. you know? And so to really say, well, how does this fit in right. with the central mission? And sometimes great things happened where, as we were hearing the idea and we were explaining or asking how it fits in the p- pathway, um, the event got reshaped. Yeah. And then a beautiful thing emerged. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We're, tell me some, uh, just uh, a couple of um, maybe three or four concrete things that came about through thinking about uh, the parish through these two lenses. Sure. Um, hmm. Well, I think about not necessarily through the discipleship pathway, but I also think about how our parish was growing. And um, we had, even even in our physical plant, here's a good example. So in our physical plant, we had had this really old jungle gym, and it was wooden, and it was right next to the church, and it became a gathering space after Mass. And um, parishioners would head out there, and the kids would play, but community was formed because yeah. of that jungle gym. Um, we then built a parish center, and the jungle gym disappeared. Uh-huh. Um, through a suffering at our parish, um, um, a child who had um, died tragically, a new playground established, and it's become a place where families continue to gather, whether it's on a donut Sunday um, or just after uh, school pickup. It's a, it's a nice little hub for families to come together. Yeah. So we realized the importance of physical space for gathering. And then as we um, built out the front of our church and we're adding on a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, 
we also identified, wow, people do enjoy to gather. And this isn't San Diego, so (laughs) indoor space would be really important. (laughs) So um, so a a rather large narthex was added on to the front of our parish, which again allowed for a community to come together. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Those are uh, – because I I think that – it's good to to kind of think about these things, but then sometimes we don't use those things to then impact the way in which, you know, the decisions that we make at the parish or Absolutely, what have you. Absolutely, yeah. It's important, you know, you can have a plan and you could have methodologies, but you need to step back and assess the environment, um, assess your parish's human behavior. Every parish is uniquely different in their um, in their demographic. And um, that's why the, the, the plans can't be cookie, cookie cutter. It's got to be um, uh, crafted to your community. Yeah. Uh, this is an off-the-wall question, but mm-hmm. uh, a recommendation for two books that have helped you with uh, kind of the, the ministry side and then maybe more the system side sure. that would be understandable for an yeah, average audience yeah. person. So for us, the, the, um, the history stemmed back to um, Sherry Waddell. We had her Absolutely. out to our parish, and that's where we started to get clarity around there, there really is a, a methodology to this approach. Yeah. This haphazard way of doing things is, is um, not um, and in my analytical mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was glorious. Um, but amazing. And her book, her book is uh, Forming, Forming Intentional, Intentional Disciples, Disciples which sorry, is a yep. yeah, t- yeah. huge, huge yeah. bestseller, but it, I mean, formative for me as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. So that was the launch um, point for us in, in really getting organized and intentional. Um, but then we were able to go to um, Amazing Parish, Wonderful. which um, was a place that we could really retreat and structure things out. And from that, we had um, a starting point for um, like kind of like the blue p- blueprints. Yeah. And then we participated in something called um, Parish Catalyst, which gave us um, time to take that blueprint and really frame out the house. Yeah. Um, and then um, utilizing a lot of Pat Lancioni's work with creating a strong team that does not operate in silos, but works yeah. together. Then we had a community um, to support that. Another best practice that we offered, which wasn't really a book or place, was we needed to invite in all of our parish leaders, our ministry leaders, to understand what our direction was and from that share and participate in the success because we have a, a fabulous team of about 13 of us. Um, the number's always changing yeah. <laughs> almost each week these days. But um, we have a fabulous team, but that team's not enough. It yeah. really does take the leaders of the parish and additional persons to participate in all of the ministry openings. So inviting them in to, um, to the place of understanding. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And uh, I guess... Uh, last question for you is, uh, and I know you all have a, a new pastor now too, mm-hmm. and so that um, kind of can help to shape the direction of, of where you're going. Uh, but where, like, what are some of the goals for the future that you see kind of lo- as, you, as you look at questions of, um, you know, pathways and um, uh, the life cycle, you know, how, in what, where do you see uh, OLPH wanting to go? Sure. Right? So um, three big goals would be, one, to continue to um, uh, create a community that embraces the discipleship pathway 
and that the um, within each life stage and from one to another, there is movement and almost like a handshake from one event to the next event within a life stage and from one life stage to the next life stage so that there's this nice movement and clarity of how to get there. Sure. Um, that's one important thing. The next would be to um, step back and measure. How are we doing? Um, what needs to be refined? What needs to be redistributed? Um, how could we continue to grow? We won't be done until Christ comes back. Yeah. Um, and then the third is a strong focus on raising up leaders, uh. um, inviting people into participation in the efforts and raising up leaders so that there's a um, larger population of people helping us along the way. Um, we have lots of great ideas and um, things we want to be doing, um, and we, we don't want to keep turning to the same few people, but um, uh, empower others based on their giftedness to lead. Yeah, that's a hugely important yeah. piece. I want to talk to you about giftedness another time, because yeah. I know you've got some that's great things favorite. to say about that. <laughs> um, so, well, it, it's been a great conversation. Sure. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> Minivans to Mass is hosted by Edward Herrera. To listen to more episodes and share your ideas about getting more minivans to Mass, visit www.archbalt.org forward slash minivans. Special thanks to Jay Lampart for the editing help, Jack Raybold for the animation in our video, and Catherine Amon for the artwork. This has been a production of the Archdiocese of Baltimore.